With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom. Simply visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate to make a difference today. I spoke to the owner and publisher of the NBR, National Business Review, in I think it was mid-September last year. And it wasn't about media or NBR or business or anything. It was about the citizen's arrest he made in a supermarket in Auckland. I think someone who was um, a little worse for wear on alcohol had uh, started uh, maybe abusing someone in the supermarket. So Todd Scott made a citizen's arrest, eliminated the problem right there and then, took the guy out. I mean, not seriously out, but, you know, um, put him on the floor and kind of held him there. And a policeman came along and said, let him go. So that was back in September. Todd Scott is back with us to talk about the future of media, specifically surrounding the story. You might have seen it right at the end of January in the Herald. Traditional TV broadcasting faces uncertain future. Briefing document to media and communications minister Melissa Lee. Now, we know what happened yesterday with News Hub. 300 people down the road, some of the big names included. Obviously, this briefing document was prepared for the media people and the minister before we knew about what would happen at News Hub. They cited TVNZ's drop in profits from 59.2 million in 2020 to 2021, down to 1.7 million 2022-23, and a forecast loss of 15.6 million this financial year. It also outlines heavy losses for MediaWorks, Warner Brothers Discovery, as we now know, as well as NZME's drop in profit in 2022. And Radio New Zealand has lost, I don't know, close to or just over 100,000 listeners in the last four years. Then there's the Fair Digital News Bargaining Bill. And I'm reading from the government website here. The bill's purpose is to enable fair bargaining between New Zealand news media entities and operators of digital platforms, you know, Facebook, Instagram, X, all those to support commercial arrangements for news content. Some might say you could have seen this coming. So I thought who better um, to have on to talk about this future of media, someone who's already been through the fire, basically, and that is Todd Scott, publisher, owner of the NBR National Business Review. And full disclosure, I worked for the NBR a couple of years ago, and Todd Scott joins us here at RCR. Todd, thanks for coming on. Um, thank you for the invitation. I want to read you, if you don't mind, a piece that you sent me, and then we can sort of kind of go on from there. So that's okay? Is it? Yeah, I can absolutely. read it out? 100%. Okay, so here's what you texted me. I was asked to join the Coalition of the Fair Digital News Bargaining Bill. I said, no, we have nothing to gain. When you put premium content behind a paywall, the tech giants simply can't rip off your content because it's behind a paywall. That makes it impossible to republish. The best thing they can do is promote our headlines that don't feature or make available the content behind the headline unless the user has paid a subscription. My advice, stop your whining, produce premium content, put it behind a paywall, Problem solved. It's not bloody rocket science. I've repeated the statement a number of times. The issues mainstream are dealing with are not issues for NBR. No advertising, no government funding, no opinion. Pretty clear, Todd. Um, one thing that I'm aware of and plenty of people are aware of is that you were 
thinking this years ago, and and you did it. And a lot of people said, "Is he crazy?" They said a lot worse than that, to be honest. <laughs> okay, um, but they didn't think it was going to fly, right? I just didn't understand why. I, I was just having a. I just. <laughs> It's so hot here in Fiji, I just jumped in the pool and I was just drying myself off and I thought, gosh, I've been doing this. Um, I've been in the media industry since the age of, uh, I believe, 22, and I'm 54 this year. So, But I've been blessed with having done pretty much most things in media. Like I started off in radio as a mid-dawn announcer um, and, you know, did love songs to midnight and then did drive and I've done breakfast. I did all that. And then I got to do some TV presenting uh, on a few different projects. But, but and then more importantly, the lessons that I learned were when I become a, a radio salesperson and I was very successful over that period of time. And that period of time was about 10 years. Um, yeah, so I was yeah. sort of doing television work about a, you know, off and on around the same time because they were able to co-mingle. And and when I when I came to MBR, one of the stipulations that I had with Mr. Coleman was um, I asked him about what assets he used to uh, reward his clients, and he told me about, you know, his jet, he told me about his boat, he told me about the box at Eden Park, and I said, well, I'll only require the box at Eden Park, and he said, well, I don't mind if you use the boat. Um, and no jet, no jet. Uh, I did get a ride in the jet once. I was just, you know, um, and actually at the time I was so focused with drama going on in the uh, newsroom that he was he couldn't understand my excitement for the, you know, for the for the for the thrust that you know, he explained the propulsion and the thrust of the, his jet engine as it went down. And I'm like, I know I'm supposed to be impressed, but actually I'm just trying to deal with the problem here. Um, so with the box, I, I said to him, I said. Um, okay, I'm going to agree to the offer that you've made to employ me, um, but it's on the condition that you understand I will never, ever, ever, ever have an ad agency or a media agency in that box. That box will always be filled by the clients that are paying the bill because for some reason you think it's okay and many people think it's okay to pay a bribe, which essentially is the commission that the client has to pay for the media agency to actually book the advertising. And what frustrated me about the the whole situation was, is we literally had pimply faced kids who were booking the advertising. Now these weren't the these weren't the people that won the business in the first place. No, they, they, those people, Paul, you can be assured, they were very slick. They had very sharp suits and very sharp. You know, mm. the, the, um, not being biased, bi- you know, uh, g- gender biased here. The, you know, the, the, the women look very professional. The guys look very professional. But when they won the business, they went back and they just gave the work to the pimply place kids. Right. And, yeah. and so, you know, I would, I, my sales manager um, would, would get, and, and I would get them as well, um, would get, um, can, and can you tell me, um, can you tell me how often your newspaper comes out? Is it monthly or is it, um, and, and they just, they literally had no idea. And then, you don't have been around for decades. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, 50, 50, 50 odd years. Uh, and I'm like, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. We are allowing them to clip the ticket of 20% commission on everything booked. And they are doing the poorest job of representing our brand. You know, we must do that ourselves. And so I literally, I, you know, I, I literally over-invested. I deliberately over-invested. And you saw it, Paul, when you were there. I, I had, 
I had about a dozen salespeople. And, and you know, these people are on really significant retainers, like $70,000 and then commission on top of that. Because I wanted to, I wanted to convince myself, first and foremost, that advertising still had a future. And I sure as heck wasn't going to rely on agencies to give me that answer. Right. So I figured if I had a direct relationship with the client, I personally, that box at Eden Park, by the way, cost me about $130,000 a year when you take into consideration the lease and the and the food and the beverage. So I always made sure I personally wrote the letter of invitation, gave the instructions, posted the tickets, and and was always there to meet every client that ever came to that box. So, so you know, that for a start was really important to me. And then over a period of time, I I got this epiphany that I've got I've become really good mates with these people. And the reality is they're probably only doing business with us because they've become good mates and they respect me and they just want to support me. But I thought you can't do that because at some point they have to be held accountable for the fact that money could be spent more wisely. Mm. So that's when I realized advertising as we know it doesn't have the future that people think it has. That must have been quite an epiphany because you're you're breaking the long-established model, the insecurity of moving outside of that model. For Well, for many, it's just what it, it was and probably still is, the starting to change now intolerable intolerable well what 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 you also have to understand paul is is that i knew that it would it would send the clearest possible message to my editorial newsroom uh because there are actually other people in there that's why i'm saying editorial newsroom got production yeah. and other people um yeah. i wanted them to know that there is no future in this business if the stories that you're writing aren't good enough that people will pay for yeah. Because there's no other funding. So back to the product, fundamentally. Look, I, I, I've also recently been quoted uh, as saying, concentrate on your consumer and not the client trying to target your consumer. And I think that's the mistake too many media companies make. They've got that they're trying to grab the money from wherever they can get it but the reason they're not getting as much as they should be getting is because they're not treating the client that is the most important as the number one client, and that is the consumer of the content, whether it be radio, TV, print, online. They are not putting the consumer first. They're still trying to do what they can to get the advertising dollars, which means that it, 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 it just lacks authenticity. It lacks integrity. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a chicken and egg, though, isn't it? Because you're also seeing, and again, you've you've got direct experience of this, um, the the change in technology. Uh, I know NBR was a printed item, you know, for many many years, and then I remember talking to you about this. You made that decision that, you know, we're going to can that, and again, go online only. I guess the point I'm making is. Um, and I'm going to ask you if you sent that piece that I read out before to the, the minister, um, that this has been in, in plain sight coming like a freight train, hasn't it? You know, there's a saying, the light at the end of the tunnel might be an oncoming train, so even if you think you're on the right track, don't just sit there. Um, uh, yes, I did. I sent it to Melissa Lee. 
Right. Okay. I sent you get a reply? message. No. Okay. Well, she knows no, what look, you think. You, no, and I don't. I, I please don't take that, that the wrong way. I never. No, no. Yep. I, I'm. I'm. I'm just trying to do what I can to give her the information she needs. Just let's all remember, she's new to the position. He had. I know that she had a view going in. Um, but she needs to collect all of the information, and you know we will get to the point where we'll have a conversation about what's happened today, which is just devastating. Um, so she's got a lot to consider in terms of how should uh, media be funded and should the government be involved? And I have very strong views about that as well. Yeah, but if if you don't see it coming and you kind of do it to yourself, you sort of uh, hang hang off making or evolving, I don't know what the word is, and you let yourself get mowed down by the train, uh, I mean, who who needs to have sympathy there apart from the people, you know, the who lose their jobs and all that? I get, but in terms of the business, um, if you can't can't get the business right, that's going to be the inevitable outcome. Okay, so you can't blame the train driver. You can't blame the passengers. Somebody is controlling the line, right? There has to be that somebody's controlling the railway track. Somebody's responsible for switching a switch. Somebody's responsible for turning off and on the lights. There's a control power. It's the same as an airport. There's a control power. So ultimately, the question you're asking me is who is responsible? Yeah. Uh, the, the answer to that is the board members. Um, and look, management, it's easy to say it's their fault, but they're simply carrying out the instructions of the board members. And this is going to sound terrible, Um but actually, it's the people that invested in those media companies because oh, yeah. they're, the ones, they're the ones that expect a return. And so every decision that is made by the board and instructed to the newsroom management is based on the premise that we need to make more money and we need to put that money into the shareholders' pockets, not our own, to expand and invest and do what we need to do for the future, which is why... You know, I don't have any shareholders, which is why I get to make the decisions that are just common sense and just get on and do it. I don't, and I don't need to make, I don't need to, Jackie and I don't live a lavish life. Yes, we live in Fiji, um, but I, you know, you'd be horrified if you knew what mortgage we're paying over here because we didn't have much money. We put it all, we, we put it all into the business back in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, that um, last bit of what I read out before, no opinion. Seems to me that there's something in that too, because there's that go woke, go broke, and we know about the public interest journalism fund and how that kind of distorted reporting, mainly on on New Zealand cultural aspects of cultural life, let's say. And a lot of journalism has become, in the opinion of many people, opinion. You jettons, jettisoned opinion, right? Yes. Tell us about that. Why, why was that? Because you'd think that would be an essential part of any kind of publication, what, you know, high-powered thinking and, you know, notable people in their field opining uh, on things. But you kind of just axed it. Again, that that got the attention of of people. And I think there's some, you know, there's some synergy between the, the go-woke-go-broke and you dumping opinion. Well, I'll tell you something about opinion, Paul. Um, opinions like assholes, everybody's got one. 
<laughs> I think I've heard that before. Um, a noses but, version. But, but, yeah. but actually, um, and I'm sorry if that's offensive. Um, um, the, essentially, what I did, it, it was just, it was just, a, it was just, it was a simple commercial decision because I'm so across my business that I know. I know how many people cancel a subscription. I know how many people sign up. I know what they sign up to. I know how many people cancel, and I know what they cancel from. I know who they are. I know how long they've been a subscriber. And when you start get when you start getting a stream of cancellations, and the reason that they give you is because they didn't agree with the opinion. Ah, right. Yeah. I just thought to myself. I, I, I thought to Jackie, and I said, "This is just this. This is just. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to ban opinion. We're just going to stop it. Why the hell am I accepting losing clients, losing our most valuable member subscribers for somebody's opinion? Because the job that we should be doing is providing business news that you can use that is unbiased, that is incredibly balanced." To allow you, the consumer, to make your own opinion, you don't need to hear ours. Yeah. But but also what that meant, Paul, is I was able to look at actually what was it costing me to lose these subscribers. And that was pretty easy to do straight up. And then I'm like, okay, how much resource inside the organisation currently that's been paid an absolute fortune is being distracted by? writing or producing or editing or, you know, or, or videoing and then production. How much is that costing? And then I was able to look at how much money are we paying the people that we're paying to write these opinion columns. And so I just sat down with Calder and Hamish and said, let's just stop this. Let's just stop this. But I won't keep the money. Right. If we yeah. refocus the newsroom on business news that you can use, that will benefit our member subscribers, and they are our priority. And I said, as for the, as for the, and, and they were my friends, you know. Yeah. So you knew them personally. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So cold, hard decision. Bloody, bloody hard. Bloody hard. You know, I, I know that at least one of them believes that I did it to save money, and I, I find that offensive. Because what I did is I used that money to then hire more journalists. So we now have uh, two senior journalists in uh, in Australia, based in Australia, writing for us. Because and and you know if you look at the NBR website at the very top, there's a you know the ticker, the, the stock market ticker. Yep. And people and people are like, why do you have the ASX ahead of the NZX? Well, let me tell you, I'm not a rocket scientist, but let me tell you. Because I think the NZX is doing a shit job and I think the ASX is a rock star and most most investors in New Zealand are smart enough to be subscribers to NBR, but they actually want to see the real money first before they get to the monopoly money. Right. Yeah. Did you get, because this is what these other media organisations, which we're kind of um, talking about in a, in a general sense are going to have to face you've faced all these things you've sort of stared them down and it sounds to me like like you, you didn't take a hit from it in the end right no no we're we're we're, we're you know I, I i i'm i'm not in a position right now to announce who this individual is 
that I am on the cusp of signing an agreement with an editor-in-chief of strategy. Oh, okay. Yep. I have also re-employed a senior journalist that left six months ago because she was unhappy and she wanted to come back. We've put another offer in front of another journalist uh, that he needs to answer by this Friday, and if he doesn't accept it, then I'm actually going to save that money because I've got the opportunity to hire an even more senior journalist um, in May. And my intention is that I will have three senior journalists in Australia by the end of the year. My goal is to have seven to ten, and people go, well, that's just crazy because, you know, Australian news isn't that important to New Zealanders. Well, that's, I agree with that. That's why at the moment I've only got two, but I'll have three, and you'll still find that very interesting. But with 10 senior journalists in Australia, Paul, do you think some Australians might be interested in subscribing to the NBR? Yeah, because, I just, because, just thinking. Because, yeah. because these 10 journalists write exclusively for NBR. You won't see this content anywhere else in Australia. You'll see it on NBR. Right. So content is king. Now we're zeroing in because these other media organisations, broadcast TV is what we started with, with the uh, the news story. They're going to have to reinvent what they're doing and they're going to have to have it, um, well, expansive enough to have a business model that works. Can you see it? Can you see it? Anything's possible. I mean, you know, TVNZ, can you see it? RNZ's lost 120,000 listeners. I tell you, I, I, my personal view on TVNZ and Simon Dello is my very best personal friend, so I, I hope he still is after this uh, interview. My personal view, particularly in, in light of today's announcement of the layoff at New Hub, my, my personal view is that TVNZ should not be government-funded. Right. I believe that it could be a very, very successful privately private media company, especially because of the unfortunate, devastating news of News Hub's demise. So right. I believe it, the, the government needs to get the hell out of media. Does they that include RNZ as well, Todd? No, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that, but I'm not okay with wokeness. They've got to balance it up. Yeah. You've got to be careful. You've just got to be careful. You, you know... You should have one public broadcaster, and I think they've got a good balance there. I'm just, you know, again, I just refer to that wokeness. And and I guess that's the responsibility of the government, and that's where they get the influence from to rule roost in terms of editorial decisions because their funding does come from government. But if you make TVNZ a private enterprise, people will have respect for it again, Paul, because people won't have – this is – when I le when I read the list, because I just had never – I, I never – I never asked for a dime. I didn't want the government's money. You, you, you know why? A, a good friend of mine, uh, Jason Lowe, who's a great coach and, and sales manager and general manager of uh, Maury Femme in Wellington at the time that I was there, and, and he said to me, Todd, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And when I saw the opportunity that the government was offering, I'm like, but that just goes against all of the principles and the DNA of NBR. So, no, I'm not going to accept that. And when I read the media companies that did, 
when I read how creative they were to meet the criteria, I was close to throwing up. You mean they're twisting and contorting in every which way? They were doing everything anybody would do to get free money. Yeah. Even if it didn't make financial sense. But, you know, again, I think that what people need to understand, they need to know this. Part of part of that condition was that it was sustainable after we stopped giving you the money. Yeah. So what was the first thing that happened? What was the first threat that every news organization that pillaged from the taxpayers, who, by the way, at the time didn't know if they had a job, had their businesses shut down, they didn't get the level of support the media companies did. Yeah, uh, and they the, it comes back to not seeing the freight train coming at you. I mean, that it was obvious that once, you know, once the supply had gone, you, you, you're worse than when you started, possibly. Well, actually, you are. I have, and I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you the company because I've been the mentor of many, many successful organisations. But there was one particular organisation um, that that got an $800,000 grant um, from uh, Callahan Innovation. And and uh, and I was I, I I've been I've been mentoring him for ages. In fact, I was the one that actually told me he needed to start selling what he was building. <laughs> Coming to my yeah, yeah, an was, idea, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and and you know what I learned from from that is actually the worst thing that happened to him is that he got given eight hundred thousand dollars because he got distracted. I think the best thing that anybody can do with a business is bootstrap it. That's what Jackie and I have done, bootstrapped it. We don't have shareholders. We don't have investors. And I have a very, very, very small debt to the bank. It'll be paid off next early next year. Right. So, so yeah, yeah, you know, and, and this is the thing, Paul, and thank you so much for giving me this opportunity because people have ridiculed me for years. They've just taken great delight in just saying this guy's a nutter. And I'm sorry to say that even Barry Coleman did that, which I, and I never bit back at the time, and I'm not biting back now because I still have real respect for the man, but I'm so incredibly heartbroken by what he said at a time that really what I could have done was a bit of mentorship from the old bull. But I got such a hard time. Well, there's a lesson in that, I think, Todd. Uh, Though you've got to, I mean, we've got to understand that some people get so set in their thinking and so in a paradigm that um, there's just no way of of imagining it, how it could be outside of that paradigm. You just, do you know what? And people will argue with me on this point. But I'll prove it. Each and every one of us is a salesperson. Give yeah. just, I, just, just so that, just so that I can be. Give me an example. Just, just pull, pull somebody out of the out of the air and tell me, tell me, tell me. Just give me an example. Throw some, say, throw some, some job descriptions at me. Well, I could give you a couple of names at random, but they'd probably be so obvious. Um... No, no, no. I want to. I want to. I want to hear. I want to hear the job. I, the the industry they're in, or the job they're doing. No, actually, the job they're doing. The job that they are doing. Okay, recycling waste. All right. And the question is, um, how are they a salesperson? 
How do I, yeah, okay, how does it um, meet the uh, efficiency level of a business running, but also clearing out and doing the, the work for the community, I guess? By, if, if I happen to be working in that industry, if I was the guy that was picking it up, the way that I would be selling myself and uh, would be the fact that I would be, I would be, if the owner was home and they were there, I'd say, I'd say to them, thank you so much for what you do. We really appreciate it. It makes a big difference to the environment. Yeah. You're a salesperson. Give me another example. Okay. Parking meters. <laughs> Parking warden. Okay. <laughs> they, are, they are doing they are they are doing what you don't want them to do, but guess what? If you're looking for a car park and somebody's parked there for too long, they just they've just given they've just made you feel better because they penalize somebody for taking advantage of that park. And they also have just done a fantastic job for the retailer that's trying to sell product, but they can't do it because people are parked outside their stores for too long. Give me another example. Boy, um, okay. Um, mm, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Barista. Oh, are you kidding me? Dead easy. <laughs> The the design that you put on the on the on the top of my trim latte. That is just something that I don't pay for. That's something that you do. That's your trademark. And when you go in there and you know my name and you know my drink, you are the best salesperson in the world. And that's why I keep coming back to you. I'll give you one more. Not a job, but I used to walk past him every every day after finishing up at the MBR at the end of the day, actually. The guy who sits under the motorway bridge by the downtown car park. Are we? Uh, are you? Can you? Can you? I just don't want to be offensive. Can you give me the the definition of what you would call that person? Oh, I'm a homeless person, but always okay. up for talking. He used to have quite good conversations, lucid conversations with him. Always gave him a bit of money, and he was always very thankful. But he was kind of wise in a very simple way. Well, you just answered your own question. Yeah, I know. I know. He, he yeah. was a. He was a. He, he was he, he was born to do what he does, and he does it remarkably well. And why should anybody criticize what he does when what he does is make a difference to people's lives? And I used to hand over whenever I had it because I wanted to. Some because money. you got wisdom from him. You got, it, you got wisdom from him. I just felt good. I just felt good. Um, let's um, talk a bit quickly about kind of reaction, really, to what uh, seems to be happening at News Hub, it seems to be finally imploding. Is that a word? Probably people are going to be out of work. Um, we've known they've been in a precarious, like multiple million dollar loss situation for quite a while. Um, I guess it was inevitable. But surely people should have had a firmer sense of this happening before, like, you know, suddenly we all have to meet and it's all over, you know? Well, I let me, and first of all, I'm Davis. I'm, 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 I'm devastated for, for the, for these people. And I'm devastated for their families because the reality is New Zealand journalism is absolutely screwed. Wow. I, I'm sorry. The, the media is, if they continue on doing the, the lazy, stupid legacy stuff that they're doing, they're screwed. So, you know, I really, 
I really, really feel for these people. But let me let me be real clear and honest about something. What people should be considering is that TV3, News Hub, TV3, they're a private business. They didn't get any of the taxpayers' money. I mean, they, they might have got some of that COVID help, but they're not funded by the government. And 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 this is why I got so upset when I about the public interest fund. I got so upset because I felt like the government was giving all of my opposition money for me to then have to fight against because I had principles and I wouldn't accept the money. Yeah. So so that's actually what's really upsetting. The the winner out of this is TVNZ. Funded yeah, even even though they're on a bit of a slide, but they're backed but by the government, watch, and they you, you watch them now, Paul. You watch because oh, they've they've got a gap, a, a space they can kind of fill, extra space to move in now. Well, but people that still people that are still doing the terrestrial thing, um, and you know, people our age still do, Paul. We know that, um, but people that are still doing the live watching of news and entertainment stuff, well, well. The, well, well done, government. Well done. You did a great job of ensuring that the one that you backed is is the winner out of this because you didn't back and you shouldn't have backed TV3. And that's my point. They shouldn't be backing TVNZ. They should get the hell out of media and leave it to private enterprise. Let us put it out. So when you say um, get out of it, like sell out, no more government ownership, uh, stand alone. Get the hell out of it because your association to it makes it, it, it just lacks integrity. Just, it, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that it literally does, but people have lost confidence. And that's why, that's why these media companies are struggling and that's why NBR is getting so much support. And thank you so much for the support that we are getting because we have principles and the other media companies don't. They did whatever they could. They were so creative. Paul, I invite you, when you've got nothing better to do, sit down and have a look at the list of the media organisations and how much funding they got and what they did to do it. It yeah. was truly appalling. I've, se- I've seen some of that list and some of the figures kind of eye-watering, yeah. Oh, it's it's not. I mean, the, the, I'm again. I, I, I'm not offended so much about the numbers. I'm offended about how creative they were to get that money yeah, to, to twist and turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like square pegs trying to fit in round holes, sort of thing. Uh, it's just. I mean, like my message to Melissa Lee. We don't talk. I sent her that message, and that's the only thing I'm ever going to do. But you know, please get the hell out of it. And if I could, if I could have a, if I could have a, a, a message, it, it t- totally off topic, to Mark Mitchell, Minister of Police, please, Mark, could you just consider this? I've got a good idea. You're not, you're not taking any of my calls, and you've not responded to any of my messages. So if this somehow gets to you, I've got a plea. It's a really simple one. How about because you're an ex-cop? How about, how about to start with? I, I believe that we could expand this project, but to give everybody confidence. How about we, we, we offer the opportunity for, for retired police officers to be put into different uniforms than the police, make them very clear they're not security, and you issue them with tasers? Whoa, yeah, okay. All right? Police, police issued tasers. Hit crew. 
police-issued tasers, pit crew, and they are licensed to use them. And just like the police, get them into, you know, peers so they're not working on their own. Yep. And start in the city and work out to the suburbs. And all I'm asking is the government helped subsidise the retailer who at the moment can only afford the fat kid with the vest who is good for nothing. And we now, see a lot of them. There's a lot of them about. And, and, and here's the thing, here's the thing, Paul, is people have to understand that the job of security is to protect the, the staff and to protect the customer. They are specifically told not to protect the product. So you and you could anybody, anybody in New Zealand could go into any store and take whatever they like and they won't be touched. They will not be touched. Because the job of the security officer is to protect the staff and to protect the customers. And the reason that I'm suggesting that we start off with retired police is because that will give the community the confidence that that police officer or ex-police officer, that pit guy, will know when it's appropriate to use it or yeah, not. Because they've, they've had training, they've got experience. There, there, there are times where you use it and you don't. And these are people that are qualified to know if it's appropriate or not. And they will make that decision. And once they've done that, they start in the, in, in the CBDs and they work their way out. And when you can see that crime is moving out, is moving out, is moving out, then you train people that could be as good as the retired police and you let them join the force. You want to fix crime and violence in New Zealand? Then how about subsidising pit crews rather than bloody media companies? <laughs> Nicely put. Todd, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing um, your experience and really being a pioneer, um, it would be fair to say. I'm not peeing in your pocket. Um, um, what you did was years ahead of now what people are being forced almost at the point of a gun to do now. Thank you, my friend. And you know what I'd say is the most uncommon thing in the world is common sense. I'm not a rocket scientist. Thanks for your time. With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate.